All right, welcome in to another edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. This is the college basketball edition. Uh, Thursday night record, prepping you for all the big games this weekend. Uh, I want to start off with two things. One, is there a team that you've like decided this team's for real? I didn't know if they were for real, and now I know they're for real. Uh well, I'll introduce myself. I am Griffin Warner. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Griffin. You're so used to us doing this together that uh, I, know. I guess yeah, I'm a yeah. man that needs no introduction. I, it's pretty nice. Um, yeah, it says I, it in the I, description, I'm sure. I Let's hope. Um, yeah, I I mean, I outlined Purdue on our, uh, on our Futures podcast. And honestly, I felt really stupid when I looked to check their national title odds and it was 18 to one. I think I saw this morning from the 75 to one that I put out there. Uh, don't know what I was doing asleep doing a world cup predictions probably. And I'm sad that I missed it. But with that said, they didn't have a great time in uh, Tallahassee this week, but I guess a win is a win. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to handicap the sport when every roster changes uh, monstrously every, every off season, it seems. I'll tell you the team that I'm like, okay, this team's legit is UConn. And I didn't know what to expect from them coming into the season, but my goodness, they, they're just crushing everyone. And tonight they crushed Oklahoma State, covered easy. They've crushed Iowa State. They've crushed Bama. They crushed Oregon. They're crushing everybody. Like, I'm a believer now. This team is legit. Like, they, they are. And from a talent standpoint, I thought Creighton was probably going to run away with the Big East. But boy, this UConn team is legit. Uh, that they they have really got me excited. They'll play uh, Florida on Wednesday. Should be a good a, a good a road test for them. But I'm convinced. Now, here's my other question: Have you established yet? Do you have a nemesis, a team that you oh. can't get right, and you just hate them? And even when you don't bet against them, you want them to lose anyway. How much time do you have? Um, yeah, uh, Seton <laughs> Hall would be my pick. I think at this point. Uh, Backed them against Iowa, and they were awful. Uh, then, as we already addressed, backed uh, Memphis or faded Seton Hall, backed Memphis and under. And uh, that bank in three from Tyree Samuel um, really just stuck it as deep as it could go, essentially. Uh, I think he's like a 20% three-point shooter, got lost <laughs> top of the key, banked it in. I know it got you on, on Memphis under, I think. So it got, got me on the total, so- yeah. Oh, total. Yeah. So side and total for me, total for you. Um, and uh, I just can't say I really like that team very much. Uh, also, just miss getting in a bet on Oklahoma against them. And then, uh, of course, that was a winner. So uh, that is my current nemesis. Shane Holloway and, our, and I aren't best friends, uh, probably not going to each other's weddings. So uh, I guess that what probably wasn't likely to happen anyway, but it certainly won't after this year. Mine is now Oregon State. Uh, I bet Duke against Oregon State in that Phil Knight thing. And like this, it was the best game Oregon State's ever played. I I, I said out loud in my handicap, "Oh, Duke's going to dominate rebounds. They're going to dominate. Uh, they're going to dominate turnovers." And they did, but Duke just couldn't shoot, and it, Duke almost lost that game. And then tonight, I played Washington minus five against Oregon State, and Oregon State was. I mean, they were blowing them out in the first half. Washington had the gall to make it like a, a, a close game at the end and give me some hope and then lose by one point. I don't get it with that team. Uh, it feels like their roster is just so terrible and so inexperienced. I don't know how they're even competing in some games, 
but I, and maybe I have to give Wayne Tinkle some credit, but I, uh, I hate his guts. So, no, okay. No, no, don't give him any credit. I think you're going to make money against them the rest of the year. I think we, we hope that they outperform what they have in their roster and then it's going to go gross as we go. So you think that I've just picked the two worst possible spots to go against them? I, I mean, that's part of the game. Timing is everything. <laughs> Love relationships, college basketball betting. You know, uh, I just think that ultimately they are a bad team and we will uh, find that out and we will make money from that. All right, let's jump into the games. And tomorrow night, we've got a doozy. Uh, it is in the Pentagon in South Dakota. Mark View always says, we'll play anybody anywhere. Sounds like Baylor said, okay, how about South Dakota? And Mark View said, all right. Let's ride. Uh, Gonzaga, two and a half point favorites against Baylor. I worry that Baylor's going to be willing to run with Gonzaga. And I think anytime you're willing to run with Gonzaga, you're making a mistake. And Gonzaga's guard play has improved since the beginning of the season. Their turnover ro- woes are a lot less ugly than they were the first few games. And there's a couple things I just can't get past with Baylor right now. They're terrible at defending the three-point arc. They are 335th in Ken Palm defending threes. Like that, that that's an absurd number for a team that's as good as Baylor. And I worry they don't have the bodies inside that they had when they played Baylor in the champion or when they played Gonzaga in the championship game. I don't know if there's an answer for Drew Timmy down low. I think this is a track meet. I think I mean these are the two best offenses in the country. I just trust Gonzaga more right now, given what I just saw against Marquette, where Baylor wasn't even competitive. This Baylor team is is starting to show like that some of the players that have left over the last two years really did matter. Uh, not that not that there's not great coaching there and not a great program in place, but they have lost a lot of talent. It's starting to show a little bit in my mind. I, I'm leaning to the Zags here. What do you think? I was hoping to back Baylor, um, but. I got to say the, and and on a neutral, I mean, you're essentially picking a winner at two and a half. Um, I didn't like what I saw in the Marquette game. I got to say it got pretty ugly, pretty fast. I feel like I was looking down and then all of a sudden Baylor was down 20 and I feel like it was five when I looked down for a second. Um, That's not a great sign when you're going to face a Gonzaga team that seems to be rounding into form. Uh, I think we had a lot of questions about their three-point shooting, but seeing them at over 40% as a team, maybe they just had a couple of bad games and we might have overreacted to that or something like that. Uh, but I think you pointed out Drew Timmy's still really hard to defend um, unless you got Zach Eady back there. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of Flo Thamba, I guess, against him, but um, he's only playing 57% of minutes right now. So what's going to happen for the rest of that? we got a lot of uh, young players or Caleb Lohner and BYU, I feel the like guy got dominated every time they played Gonzaga. So um, I was kind of, when we were prepping for this game, I was like, where, where is the, the, cause you'd, you'd mentioned it was on a neutral site. And I was like, where is it? Trying to like figure out if there's going to be some home field advantage. I don't think there's any in uh, South Dakota at the Sanford Pentagon. Um, And it's a game I'm interested to watch. I just don't know that Baylor getting two and a half is going to be close to my card. All right, let's take a look at a Big Ten showdown. Illinois at Maryland. We're going to project Maryland minus two. I think you've probably got the stronger take on this one. I'll let you uh, take the lead. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed with Maryland so far to start the season, I got to say. I mean, hard to feel any differently when they've won uh, seven straight games. But ultimately, I went against them, faded them with St. Louis play and saw them uh, go up by 30. I think at one point, that's usually a good sign that I got something very wrong. Um, 
And I wonder if that's just like getting a coach in there who's somewhat capable. I mean, the weird stuff that happened last year after I picked them as a future of mine and saw Mark Turgeon not even make it to conference play before he resigned. And then whatever Danny Manning was doing, but we knew that he's not a great coach in general. Kevin Willard's done great at Seton Hall and finally took this job and has been, I think, pretty impressive, clearly, to start the season 7-0. and The schedule has been that difficult, but I do think lopsided wins against St. Louis, who I see as a tournament team, and Miami, Florida as well. Uh, back-to-back days in, in a neutral court tournament. That was pretty nice. Um, a big win over a decent Coppin State team. And then I don't even know what to say about Louisville at this point. Um, but I like, I mean, I think we know the Cole Center, or I think they've probably moved on the Xfinity Center at this point, but we trust Maryland to play well at home. Um, and I'm just not sure that I, I believe so much in this Illinois team. I mean, they had a really good win against UCLA on a neutral, but uh, I just feel like that a lot of moving parts have, have occurred on this team. They've got a lot of experience for sure, um, but I'm not sure I believe in it just yet. And I think it's going to be a really tough environment for them, though it's really weird to me to see conference play at the beginning of December. Yeah, I, I think you're right, You at least about being impressed with Maryland so far. And I think one of the big differences is the pace that they're playing with under Willard versus Turgeon and a lesser extent Danny Manning. But the style that they're playing, the the up-tempo style that you never saw Turgeon play, is really fitting their roster right now, particularly Jameer Young, the the Charlotte transfer, who looks like – he looks like a real difference maker like as a transfer. My question with the Terps are in the front court, particularly when it comes to depth. Like I I think Julian Reese, Dante Scott are both good, but beyond them, there's not much size. And Illinois just has size and waves. And I, I kind of think all the fresh faces for Illinois are a positive. Like, Andre Corbello being gone is a positive for sure. Like, and we'll talk about him in a game later on. But I think they're better without him. And I think that they're better than people were projecting at the beginning of the year. I, the Being the first true road game for a really young team worries me. But I kind of lean Illini here. I, I feel like... You're right. We've seen some like the slew result that was really eye opening to me that Maryland's better than I thought they were. But I feel the same way about Illinois. And I think Illinois was because they didn't have Coburn. Uh, and and before that, the year before that, they lose to Sumo. It's like you can't lose guys like that year in, year out. If you're Illinois, I mean, if, if you're Kentucky, you can. If you're North Carolina, you can. If you're Illinois, maybe you're not there yet. But it feels like this roster is pretty strong. Uh, and I, I really like Underwood as a coach. I did all last year as well. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, podcast, so I, I'm going to lean with the Illini. I, I'll lean against you here at, at two, which is our projection. All right, let's take a look at a Saturday matchup, and this is also a neutral site. This one's in Fort Worth, Texas, so semi-neutral, I guess. Mm. Uh, Houston, eight-point favorites projected against St. Mary's, and. I'll take the lead here. I don't I don't like this matchup for St. Mary's, to be honest. Uh, what we saw early in the season was strong for the Gales, but after seeing them lose to Washington, who I just mentioned lost to Oregon State, and then Washington's the bottom half of the Pac-12 team for sure, and then they lost to New Mexico in a game they were 10-point favorites, and I, I was on New Mexico plus 10. I didn't see them winning outright in that game. I think we have to question how good they really are, and you know, before that, it was like, oh, nice win against Vanderbilt in North Texas. And we just assume that, OK, this is just what they're doing. They're they're playing these warm up games and they're going to be legit. Now, seeing them never have a chance of covering against either of those last two teams like Houston is just a monster. Like if you're not 
really top tier, Houston is going to smash you. And right now is, and this is me saying this is someone who I'd love St. Mary's as a dog nine times out of 10, but Houston being so good on defense, so good against three pointers, St. Mary's gets their highest percentage of points from the three and you can't shoot over Houston. I, again, I hate betting him as, as a, uh, or hate betting against him as a dog, but Houston's the only way I could look here. Yeah. If you're looking for, at St. Mary's, I think this is a uh, we're going to show what we are made of right now. Um, but I think you're hitting it on the head. It's hard to know what they're made of or what they actually are, because unfortunately, a Vanderbilt win um, doesn't really mean a lot unless it's the NIT when they seem to be playing best that time of year. Um, I mean, only allowing 33 points in North Texas was impressive, but uh, North Texas has been raided for transfers and things of that nature in the last few years. I don't really know what to make of St. Mary's at this point. I do think the number feels a little bit higher based on those two losses. Sure. Uh, New Mexico at home is a pretty bad loss to explain. Um, and, and I think ultimately Houston, they're coming off a really tight game, um, maybe two games ago with Kent State, um, which was, uh, I mean, they were a 22 point favorite and were honestly trailing for a lot of the game. So yep. um, I feel like they responded pretty well in the Norfolk State win, but ultimately, um, they are not a team I really want to go against ever because they can, as you said, smash you. And it seems to happen from out of the blue. Uh, I went to a game Houston against UTEP a few years back and I felt like I was like UTEP might've even won the game and didn't even cover and end of, end of game. And they were like a 12 point dog because things just start sliding down the avalanche starts and, and Houston can really put it on you. Uh, it's weird to me to see them as this big of a favorite on a neutral to St. Mary's, but I feel like St. Mary's resume kind of speaks to that and they haven't done a good enough job to keep this number smaller. Um, and I think at this point, I'm really not looking to go against Kelvin Sampson because we know they're good. We know they're going to defend. We know they're going to rebound and they're going to smash you on the offensive glass, which is even worse because you can't really defend that. All right, so some agreement there. Let's look at our last game, and we were scrapping for uh, for a fourth good game this weekend. We settled on a team that I I don't know if they're good, but they've been interesting so far. Let's go with St. John's at Iowa State, and I, I think you have to be impressed with what the Johnnies have done so far. But the problem is I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around what's really different from last year's team. And remember last year they started out eight and two. Their only losses were Kansas and Indiana, which were certainly excusable losses. And then they were a below average team for the rest of the season. And I refuse to believe that Andre Corbello's turned this he, like he's suddenly a winner when everything about his his past says he's anything but a winner. And Iowa State looked kind of good in the Phil Knight uh, MTE. They they reached the finals against UConn where they were blown off the court. But I think there's no shame because as I mentioned, I think UConn's really legit. But their wins. We're an overtime win against Villanova, which I don't know how well that's going to age. Like I'm starting to see the writing on the wall that this Villanova team is just not very good. Uh, there's uh, coaching matters, and I think that it's it's really mattering right now for Villanova. And then a five point win over North Carolina, who I'm also kind of unsure about. And then they it took them and that took a miraculous comeback to win. And then Iowa State, sort of similar to the Johnnies last year, they were 12 and 0 in non conference. They beat Xavier, Memphis, Creighton, Iowa, almost all of those teams, all but one of those games by double digits. And then they were 8 and 12 in conference. Uh, and then they then they, they make a, a strong uh, run to the Sweet 16. So I don't really know what they are, 
The defense still looks awesome. Not quite as good without Hunter on the floor, who's making a real difference for Texas, by the way. Texas got a good win over Creighton tonight. Um, but long story short, I don't know who to trust here. I lean the clones at home uh, because they're so good there in Hilton. But I, I think this game's going to end up being more of a learning experience than anything for me and, and kind of get some information on these two teams. What do you see? Um, I didn't know you were such a big Andre Corbello fan, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind for uh, the rest of the podcast, rest of the season. And we could probably buy a jersey in the uh, in the team shop if you're interested I'm good. in getting one. I'm good. Um, yeah, uh, I think from where I sit with St. John's, I mean, looking at their schedule, I mean, it's really nice that they're 8-0, but uh, all expected wins besides maybe a neutral court to Temple and to Syracuse, which Syracuse looks like the worst version of that program uh, since I've been breathing. And I don't really know what to expect uh, from a team that's going to play with chaos. Maybe that works, but I think what we can trust is that Iowa State are going to defend. I think uh, the game against Connecticut got really out of hand because they got dominated in the foul category. Uh, I think it was 17 to two in free throws in the first half. I know this uh, very well because I was an Iowa State first half backer and it was going pretty well until everything got ugly. Um, I don't know that Iowa State can score efficiently, but I think they can defend. And I think that's going to be a problem for St. John's because St. John's essentially is an offense that survives on turnovers and easy buckets. And I don't know that they're going to get that many, especially not in Ames. I think that's a big problem for them. Um, there's a lot more that I need to see from St. John's to trust them before going into a really tough environment with a lot of really good players. Like Iowa state did lose Hunter, um, which was a huge, huge loss and probably not replaceable, but bringing Oshuna Shuni from St. Bonaventure, as well as his teammate, Jaron Holmes. I wonder when, um, they lost the other guy Lofton to Florida. If there's maybe some issues in the locker room that kind of might've explained why things didn't go for so yeah. well for them last year, despite returning all five starters from a team that everyone thought would be good. Um, I, I mean, the, the UNC win seemed to be Caleb grill going off from three. So we'll see if they can keep that going, but I think offense is the question for me for, for Iowa state, but I don't know that St. John's have enough themselves to really challenge them at the Hilton. All right, let's get to best bets where you are coming off a win. Uh, me, I'm going to say I'm coming off a loss because I projected Purdue 10 against Florida State. Purdue landed 10 against Florida State. But to be perfectly honest, I bet Purdue at 13 and a half because there was never a 10. That's kind of the difficulty of what we do here is we're projecting what lines will be, and that's not always an exact science. Uh, but if it had been 13, I still would have said, you know what? I'm on, I'm on Purdue here. So I'm going to own it and and I'll take the L here. So another split. So even though I said, we're not going to split last week, I'm going to say we did split. Uh, but that means you have honors as the, uh, the, the carrying member of the team right now. I'll, I'll uh, take them. I'll take them. But before we get that, I'd love to give our listeners 50% off. Use the promo code NCAA, NCAA. Um, our favorite ruling governing body, NCAA 15. You get 15% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. Good seven days from the podcast release. So you have until, I guess it would be, I mean, it's a Friday release. So you got until December 9th, but use it quickly. Uh, I got World Cup stuff coming out after this podcast before I put my uh, myself to rest. Um, I'm sure, AJ, because I know you have some UFC coming up this weekend. Is that right? I do have UFC this weekend. Yep. So look out for that. We got Steve Fezzik, of course, just killing everything per usual. Um, and, and look forward to that NCAA 15. We get a little bit of credit 
um, or at least some good graces uh, if you use our promo code. So make sure you jump on that. Uh, for my best bet, I'm going to go Rutgers plus three at home against Indiana. Uh, Indiana coming off a really big win against North Carolina. I felt like they just went inside the whole time, really bullied a pretty big UNC front line. But I honestly feel like Omori for Rutgers, the younger brother of a former Omori for Rutgers, is going to cause some problems for uh, the Indiana front line. And I think uh, Rutgers, I, I, I was against them this week at Miami. I thought they lost did not cover a game that they probably deserved to win. Uh, really tough uh, close the game, unfortunately. But I really love the the growth that I've seen from uh, Caleb McConnell. He's he was so good at Miami. It's kind of amazing that they didn't hold on. Um, I don't know. That's certainly not a great thing. They couldn't hold on for a win there. But I think a home dog in a in a place where they notor- are notorious for really destroying their competition at the rack. Um, I didn't see enough from Indiana, despite being my best bet winner, that they were good enough for me to believe that they are a team that I'm afraid of, especially as a road favorite. So I'm going to grab Rutgers and the AJ Swami projection of plus three. I'll play at anything that Rutgers is a dog, even down to pick them. Uh, I think Rutgers wins this matchup and continues their home court dominance. All right. I, I don't hate it. And I love that you took a team that you won with last pod and said, you know what, I'm going against you now. Uh, that that takes balls. I'm excited about that. I'm going to go to Chicago, and I'm going to go with DePaul plus two. I'll, again, this I'll play this down to a pick. Uh, DePaul plus two should be a, a good number at Loyola, Chicago. And this this game involves two recent coaching changes, and I think one team has the right guy, and the other team is still kind of a question mark. DePaul is on the rise. Tony Stubblefield is a legit recruiter. And as long as his X's and O's aren't terrible, which I don't think they are, they're going to have a good chance to make some noise uh, in the Big East, which doesn't look like it, it. It looks like it's a little softer than it has in some past years. Creighton and UConn are great. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams there in the middle that I'm I'm just not sold on. So I think DePaul can make a little bit of noise. And I like the backcourt, particularly Umaja Gibson, who transferred from Oklahoma. And I was unsure how he would do as a point guard since he was mostly off ball for OU. But he's been great. Top 10 assist rate nationally. And the Demons have been tough inside on defense, particularly as shot blockers, which is great against a Loyola team that has to score inside to have success. They are a bad three-point shooting team, 295th in the country, uh, but top 70 in three-point attempt rate. So they're shooting constantly despite being, you know, objectively bad at it. Uh, They, I I don't get it, but this isn't the biggest issue with the Loyola team, though. The biggest issue is they are dead last nationally in turnover rate on offense. They turn the ball over to higher rate than any team in the country they are sloppy, and that's something you never saw under Porter Moser. The results have been bad. They were 0-3 at the Myrtle Invitational against so-so competition. They lost against a retooling Harvard team. Even the wins have been shaky. It took overtime to beat Fairleigh Dickinson, who's a bottom 20 team in the country. They couldn't pull away from Central Arkansas to the last 10 minutes of the game. Central Arkansas is a bottom 50 team in the country. And What this boils down to is Loyola has a brand name as a winning mid-major program. And DePaul's brand name is, oh, they're a talentless bottom feeder in the Big East. I don't think either one of those things are true right now. 
So I think we're getting value on the Blue Demons. DePaul plus two down to a pick will be my best bet this week. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue with all of that. I mean, just seeing Drew Valentine taking the Loyola job from the uh, player personnel director of Michigan State or something like that seemed bizarre to me. Um, team doesn't look so good. Porter Moser, the farther he gets into Norman, the less impact he has on that team. They still have some holdovers. It's amazing with the COVID years and the roles and how long people can be there. Tom Welch, I think I saw him uh, in the last tournament I went to right before COVID uh, playing in that Missouri Valley Conference. Still amazing that he's there. But um, <laughs> I'm actually now thinking to myself, I need to get on that DePaul number as soon as I see it. So I uh, love it. And uh, I'll be keeping an eye out for that one. All right. Well, there you go. That is our best bets for the week and enjoy the weekend. Enjoy some hoops. A lot of college football going on. World Cup, as Griffin mentioned, uh, get his World Cup package at pregame.com. And of course, UFC fights this week. And of course, there's NFL uh, if you're into that sort of thing. I don't know who who likes that, but uh, who dares? yeah, <laughs> who could possibly be into that? Uh, But for Griffin Warner, I am AJ Hoffman. We appreciate you guys for listening, and we will talk to you Sunday night previewing next week's games. Take care.